On this episode, I interviewed Connor Daly, who is currently a senior strength and conditioning coach with the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA. He's previously held positions with the Manly Seagulls as well as the Essington Bombers. This episode mainly focuses on strength and power within team sports. So we started talking about his general approach approach to strength and power and the methods that he uses. We then talked about the differences in working in a more aerobic sport with AFL and more of a size and power-based sport such as rugby. We then talked about the different schedules and how it all fits together within the full program, what he's chasing in-season versus out-of-season, how he splits his program up, uh, how he programs power with Olympic lifts, differences in training for size versus trying to lean out, and just a good overall summary of his strength and conditioning philosophies and approaches to training in team sports. So it's a good episode. Great listen. Here it is. Welcome to No Weak Links with Patrick Wood. The purpose of this podcast is to help you learn up-to-date, evidence-based content and knowledge through life experiences. This podcast is perfect for athletes, strength and conditioning coaches, rehab professionals, or anyone in the sports performance or sports medicine industry. So please have a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Nelic Links. I'm your host, Patrick Wood, and today I have on Connor Daly, who is the head strength and conditioning coach with Essendon Bombers. So thank you very much for taking the time to be on today. Uh, if you just want to give a little bit of background on yourself, uh, how you got to the role today, which you've done in the past, and then we can hop on into it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Patrick. It's good to be on board. It took us a while, but we got there. Um, yeah, mate, my, I kind of probably similar story to a lot of people um, started my journey not fully sure came kind of did sports science and things like that and that was my undergrad and i uh, wasn't sure what i wanted to do when i finished up um ended up going down the teaching um uh avenue kind of the primary school teaching qualification and, and taught for a year and then after that just kind of realized that wasn't for me and, and decided to do some traveling so um ended up in new zealand uh, for the rugby world cup in 2011 and got my first taste of um some strength and conditioning experience with the New Zealand Sevens, just doing a little bit of voluntary kind of SNC stuff in there um, with a guy uh, coached by the name of Blair Mills, who's, who's now with, um, he's over in Japan. He's very successful over there. So um, did a little bit there and then decided to move to Melbourne. There was better kind of, uh, probably better better money in, in Melbourne at the time and, and uh, lower cost of living. So moved across, some of my best mates were over there and just again, did some more voluntary stuff uh, while I was working as a PT. So worked with the, um, kind of did some voluntary stuff under kind of 15, 16, 18, 20s, uh, state rugby here in Melbourne. Um, and was lucky enough to work with some really good people on in that voluntary space. Um, moved home for a short stint in 2014 and then got a phone call, um, while I was at home asking me, to, would, would I be interested in coming back and, and heading up the, the strength and conditioning space for the, the Melbourne Rebels Academy. So the rugby union um club here in melbourne so delighted with that came back um worked for a couple of years there with with um some great people uh brendan whelan and, and nick henderson um and then got an opportunity to switch codes and, and go across to the manly sea eagles in the nrl um had a five-year stint there the first probably year and a half as an assistant snc which was great to kind of ease me into into that space and then took over the kind of strength strength power um at the club then uh, for my last three seasons um and again great club great people worked with some some really good operators there um uh cameron ferguson would probably be be top of the list and then um andrew lands and cam dyer 
Um, and then, yeah, then uh, the opportunity to come across and, and, and try another code. So just hopped across again to, um, to the AFL, which is um, Australian football, uh, which is probably one of the, the biggest codes here here in Australia. And um, yeah, probably very similar to Gaelic football, which I grew up playing. So the, the transition wasn't as, as complex as, as you'd think. But um, yeah, really enjoyed the, the change and the professionalism in, in the AFL. So really enjoying the, the journey so far. Hopefully many more years to come. Yeah, perfect. Now, thanks for that. I think uh, a lot of experience in the strength conditioning. And then yeah, it was, it'll be interesting to talk the changing of codes. But I did, yeah, I didn't know your background in Gaelic, which obviously probably helps a little bit with that transition. So um, I guess... Like I said, we'll talk, the main thing will be strength and power within team sports. So first question, just very generally, and um, maybe what's your approach overall, your general philosophy or general principles you go by when designing programs or just yeah, going about that? Yeah, I suppose um, kind of the overarching philosophy has to be moving well um, and then applying applying force and, and adding our layers um, once we have the good movement competencies. I think um, a big learning has been like looking at the the number of factors that go into it. So looking at the the individual, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and their and their moving competencies, what the positional demands would be. I think that applies to every code. So you're not just looking at the the player; you're looking at the position they have to play and the demands of of that position within the sport. And then um, probably looking at um, what's the style of play, what's the game plan that the the coach or the coaches want to implement. So there's a couple of layers in there beyond the the kind of very obvious move well and and get them get them with a bit of weight on that. So um, by and large, like the the movements once the movements are, are are done well and you can start loading them up with with weight and and they're moving through range with good quality uh, tempo and um, the rest is just fine tuning. So kind of looking at the individual and things like that. But by and large, yeah, uh, quality movement first is is what we look at. What are you obviously general technique and stuff? What are you focusing on with the quality, and how long do you have to spend on it? You'd say in in that preseason block or or with the, the newer athletes. Obviously, the older ones are probably gonna have more experience, et cetera. But how how do you focus on that quality of movement? Yeah, I think that that's a really good question. Um, depending on again cross codes, there's, there's commonalities, and one of them is that when the kind of first second year players come in, um, by and large they're they're pretty raw so they've, they might have done some stuff um to get drafted in the afl is pretty competitive so a lot of these guys are working with strength and conditioning coaches um at their club level which kind of gives us a real head start if, if they come in um and they can squat well they can hinge well they can press um you know good movement unilaterally bilaterally um that they're huge advantages for us and we can kind of roll on and um you're still looking to develop a little bit more in that first year rather than kind of getting them, you know, a seasoned veteran might be looking to maximize strength and then power output, and that's your real focus. And um, you might just be consolidating work in that first year with with some of those players. Um, and then, you know, some of them, you may have to just regress everything right back and literally go back to the basics of um, teaching the mechanics. Um, the, the advantage we have, I suppose, in the AFL is we are reasonably well-resourced. We have um, a strength conditioning coach who's... Um, Hard time with us in a development role, and then uh, splits their time uh, with the as HPM of the AFLWs. So that's James Ford. Um, so James is able to get in and, and really dial in on those athletes, kind of three, four, five guys who who need that almost one on one or one on two attention 
um, while we have, you know, another 15, 20, 30 athletes rolling around the gym that need to be kind of managed as well. So um, I think uh, it's a it's really important space and it's one that we've decided to resource um, reasonably well is, is just making sure that they get eyes on regularly with their with their strength work, with their prep work, with their running mechanics, all that kind of stuff. Um, otherwise, it's pretty tricky. Like it's hard. The, things get lost. You know yourself. It, uh, athletes can can slip into the group, and you know you get distracted coaching somebody else. And so it's good to have um, good quality uh, resources put into those into those young athletes. And then, how many people do you usually have uh, at at your club currently in the in the gym at once, trying to to help, or or in how big your group sessions? Um, is it different through preseason as as the time goes on, or um, was it similar? Yeah, so it, we probably have forty five in our list, and that you know, kind of, we might look at dividing that up by age. So you might have the year one to three players in a group. Um, probably more in preseason, we divide it by age, so it might be year one to three. You know, the middle age tiers, kind of four to six and then you might have the older guys seven plus um or you might do it by positions so you might go your forwards in one group your backs in another group and your mids which is kind of a um a broad array of of, of heights and, and weights all that kind of stuff and between your ruckman and your your kind of um your followers but um it's it depends which way but usually the groups are about 15 16 um so it's not not crazy big. Like we would have probably had bigger groups uh, working in league. We would have had probably two splits rather than three. And you're working with kind of 18, 19 guys. Um, but still, you know, big enough groups that you need to you need to be on your toes and, and keep them on their toes. Yeah. And then did you notice any difference in, I guess, quality of the younger guys coming in between the two? Because obviously probably rugby is a little bit more emphasis on the gym, maybe. Or I could be wrong there than AFL would be. And then, but AFL... You might have more support, more resources coming up through the um, academies. Yeah, I think that again, that's that's probably what I would have I would have anticipated was that um, when you come to a club or when you when you come to switch codes from let's say rugby union or league coming across the AFL, that there wouldn't be as much of a a strength emphasis, um, and that's what I anticipated. But I think um, of the players we drafted last year, um, I think. There was one one uh, young lad who we had to put a bit of work into. He, he was pretty raw in the gym, like had to start from scratch, and he, he's excelling now. In his second year, he's 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 um he's come on leaps and bounds. Um, but the other guys that would have come in all had good lifting backgrounds, all saw the benefits. So obviously, would have worked um, through academies or through their club with with uh, a strength conditioning coach, and, and obviously, you know, with good people. Um, similarly this year we have, we, you know, we drafted, I think five people and, and the majority of them can move fairly well. It's just probably adding, adding onto that now is, is the next thing and, and kind of, um, just enabling their physical development over the next couple of years without rushing things too much. I think at the, um, certainly at Manly, um, we had the development pathways. There were a number of, um, teams coming through so there was kind of a the players had good quality development on the way so there were there were good programs put in place and, and things like that so and that was more overseen by the club so it's because of the different systems because there's no draft system in the in the nrl you can probably develop these kids from the age of 14 through to when they crack first grade at, at 18 or, or so um afl it's a little bit different you're you're drafting a kid you know depends on where you finish what pick you get who's available um so you could be picking up a kid from WA that you've never met or never seen, 
so it's a little bit different um but it was yeah it's a it's a pleasant surprise when they come in and they're they're essentially ready to ready to go yeah yeah perfect now i think last last question on the guess the move of conversation bit what's uh i guess what's your biggest approach on that do you do you like to big groups dem- demonstrate and then break up with your coaches and go there do you like to build progressions throughout is it a combination of everything or do you how do you go about teaching that the best yeah i think i think i'm um, starting with the basics it's it's kind of you know every everybody's it learns a different a little bit differently and um, you've got your visual learners and you've got your guys who respond better to touch and and the kind of um external cues so I think generally we would do again your group of 15 particularly with the younger blokes you might do um a demonstration and then break them up into little groups have a look at guys you can kind of then start to pair them off and these guys move really well they've nailed it straight away these guys need a little bit more work um so probably yeah exactly what you said there just starting off broadly demonstration couple of cues um you don't want to overload people with things but you give them the give them the basics and then if you need to add more uh complexity or layers or, or detail to it for them you, you can do that um but again it's it's we, we've been lucky we haven't had to to spend a whole pile of time um really drilling things in i think uh olympic lifting is something that we haven't done an awful lot and potentially it's something we might look at and that might take a little bit more coaching um just to get you know really competent at those movements uh potentially that's something we might workshop with with certain players over the over the off season you know if, if players are keen um we don't bring players in or anything over the off season they they're kind of we leave them to their own de- devices they have their programs and but if they if they reach out and they want to do stuff we can do things with them so that might be a good opportunity to add a couple of strings to our, our kind of movement uh bow over the break yeah not perfect and i think uh you you mentioned before you know we went over the general principles and things you go by do you have more like methods or combinations of methods or people that you you pull from their work to you'd say is a combination of how you like to to program probably not a whole pile of um of individuals it's it's pretty simple like i wouldn't say there's too many influences in there but it's more just um um applying simple methodologies doing things well doing the basics really really well and and adding um layers as you go and whether that's you know adding more volume or adding um more load and then adding complexity to the movements i think it's it's a very uh simplistic approach but i found it um uh pretty effective particularly you know coming across to the afl where you know they're maybe a little bit wary of this rugby guy coming in um doing different things what's he going to be about so we just kept it really really simple um in terms of, of people, not particularly. I think of you know probably the same as yourself, listening to podcasts and 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 chatting to to people in the industry. It's a great way to to brainstorm, and I've got close people I'm very close with, and that I'm, I'm you know respect professionally that I would bounce ideas off. But um, like like Cam Ferguson, but probably wouldn't say that you know he shaped my you know. But just we we bounce ideas off each other. Um, I think, but you know, part of it is identifying what you want bigger picture look you're going into a program what do you want kind of two three years down the track where would you like it to be and and then what are the big rocks that you can um you can start out with and that's probably uh, they're the big things so coming into a, a new program a new sport what do we want to get out of this year where do we want to be in three or four years but what do we want to start with what's the biggest thing and for us that was again movement competencies um and then adding in the idea of target for you know a trap bar deadlift or a bench press 
or, you know, giving them, giving them time, like numbers to work towards rather than kind of saying, um, whatever you feel like, um, that was a big change for them last year and they responded really, really well to that. And then, you know, add another layer to that, our accessory work became a lot more detailed and we started being a lot more prescriptive around that. And, and the boys have been brilliant with that. And, and I think that's, that's hopefully, um, you know, it shows in, in the, the robust nature of the group. Um, and then, you know, potentially next year, it's, it's, it's looking at velocity based training and, and adding another layer on top of what we've done. Um, but yeah, that's been the biggest, biggest learning, I suppose, kind of coming into a new group rather than trying to do everything at once. Um, just adding little bits here and there. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a great point of, especially coming into a new role of, you know, establishing the big rocks first, then building on top of that next year and building on top of the next year and having a plan throughout the three. So I think that was uh, not good answer and good, good advice there. Um, between the two now is, would you say there is a difference to how you like, yeah, obviously general principles are probably going to be the same, but what's the biggest differences in your programming between the two sports? Cause obviously AFL is a lot more running based, I'd say higher volumes of running than you are in, in rugby. And you could probably argue rugby's decent, more contact based, than than AFL, yeah, for sure. Yeah, again, it's it's looking at probably um, the we'd we'd have an idea. So you, you know, we have this. We know because we work in the industry that AFL is going to be more aerobic based running, and there's going to be a lot more collision in, in rugby league. It's going to be a lot more kind of um, explosive uh, linear efforts in. Um, in NRL, but then there's going to be a lot more three-dimensional running, change of direction, agility in in the AFL. So that broadly speaking, straight away it's going to be a little bit different. And then you have to factor in, okay, what does the you know what does the coach want the want the club? To, what's what's our system? What's you know for a um, a physical or a very uh, aggressive AFL team? You know, it's going to be a little bit more collision. You're going to put a little bit more into. Um, your collision-based work or things like that, or your tackle tech. Um, and again, if it's end-to-end, -end, certain teams will play different systems that maybe wouldn't be as as aerobically demanding for certain positions, so they might not have to train a certain way, or there could be players that within a system don't clock up, you know, 10, 11, 12 Ks of 2-plus um, in a game. So again, looking at the personnel that you're dealing with, but yeah, broadly speaking, um, NRL players don't need to be slugging it out you know building that huge aerobic base they need by the nature of the game it's it's you know it's your six hit-ups reset absorb um yeah and the same thing the afl boys don't need to be as big so probably um a big learning from from the the strength and power side of things would be in the nrl you're trying to maximize um your your muscle mass and hold on to it as long as you can and then within that you're you're trying to you know maximize strength and and convert that across what does it look like in explosive movements um you have to be probably not as conscious of body weight so if, if somebody you know if a guy weighs 100 kilos if he goes up to 102 in, in rugby league probably not going to impact him as much or if he's down to you know you want to keep him that heavier side rather than um dropping back really because of physics um you know the uh collision-based sports you know you, you need you need a little bit of mass behind you and the AFL then, yeah, you need to be a little bit more um, in tune with the body weights and, and what an increase can look like. So because they're running such big, uh, such high volumes, um, if you're adding a couple of kilos here and there, you know, through just extra hypertrophy work in the gym or just not being kind of mindful of, of what you're giving people, 
um, that can take a toll and it can, you know, you get your, your kind of overload injuries through joints or you get, um, you end up getting, um, soft tissues and things like that. So it's, it's, um, being a lot more mindful of probably the body weight side of things, um, and how guys can carry that. That'd be the biggest, yeah, so biggest uh, difference. Yeah. So I guess two questions there in, in that what's, uh, you just in decreasing overall volume and really trying to just maximize that strength and power as much as you can in those it, for the people that you're trying to, you know, walk that line of getting as strong as powerful as possible, but not adding too much. And then secondary off that when you're saying, okay, it's okay to go up a little bit, or maybe we should go down. Is that a conversation of you, the coach, the physio, the sports scientist, or how, how does that conversation go about? Yeah, again, great question. Um, I think the, uh, the the touch on the second point. So it's it's probably a conversation with the athlete, and then linking in the coach with that. So um, if if an athlete comes to me and says, "I'm 80 kilos," uh, I think I play my best footy at 78 or 76. Okay, so what can we look at? So we can look at potentially taking elements out. So things that you might say, okay, well, if it's as an example, we've got four sets of five on bench today. This guy, we might don't need that volume. We might pull out a set and we might take it back to three. So might look at rather than um, working through five threes ones, which is, is something we utilize a little bit, kind of waving across across the cycle. But again, very easy, very basic stuff. But if we um, if we did that, we might say for these guys who don't need um, or maybe need to lose a little bit of, of mass, we might say, okay, it's going to be three threes. And again, you get a target for that. So we're trying to maximize your strength in that space, but you don't, you know, maybe. And then the following week, the guys are doing threes. You might just do, you know, a three and two twos and just really get a stimulus. Um, the conversation would probably be initially with the athlete and that'd be something we, we'd, we'd have a conversation about. And then I could potentially go to the coach and say, okay, this is the feedback from this player. Not necessarily the head coach probably, but, but chant maybe his line coach or, or the high performance manager and just say, look, such and such has come and said he's keen to lose two or three kilos. Um, what are our thoughts? And they might say, we want him where he's at, where he is right now is what we want. And it's, you know, he can bring this and that to the table. We don't need him necessarily running more. We need him strong and, and explosive. You know, where he's at is a really good spot. You probably go back and have that conversation with the player. And, and you know, you might encourage them to have a conversation with, um, with the coach as well. Um, you know, so there's not as much of a middleman element, but the, the conversations generally start, uh, start in the gym. If, if something's going to be like that, or if somebody wants to put on size, the same thing, probably need to be wary of, again, um, putting on too much size too quickly. Um, particularly with those younger developing athletes, you don't want to kind of, um, yeah, jack them up. They put on four or five kilos and then they're having issues, you know, with running and they're having issues, um, with their body just from this new this new weight that they've added. So um, picking your time and place, including everybody in the conversation. So not working in silos, I think is a, a pretty good way to operate anyway. So always, um, I'm sure it's it's pretty similar at Leeds, but, but you know, engaging the, the medical staff in conversation regularly um, to the point of overkill, better to probably over-communicate than, than under-communicate. Um, same with the HPM and then coaches if they need to have that conversation. Uh, and, and obviously the club dietitian and things like that. They're all pretty important relationships, but um, I couldn't say that there's a hard and fast blueprint for it. Probably depends case by case, but um, we definitely have a few a few guys um, in our side at the moment who are um, just doing a little bit less with regards to uh, they respond really really well to um, 
I would say really well. They would say it's annoying, but you know they're, they're really resp- responsive to weights, and they they they're the people that we all hate that that put on muscle mass really easily. And um, yeah, so probably just being mindful of of not throwing too much at those guys just for the sake of it. Yeah, and then how do you? Or what are your biggest considerations when, you know, you do have those guys that, you, you know, maybe preseason, especially when everyone's working hard there, I want to add a couple of kilos on to get heavier for the season. You know, what, what are your considerations for, you know, trying to decrease as much injury risk as possible, but still trying to push them and, and get them stronger? And you know, who, who, who are those conversations had with? And like I said, especially since it's so, you know, heavy running and volume wise, how does all that fit in with, with your gym and not overdoing them at the same time? Yeah, again, it'd probably be a, we, we, we have met regular medical me- meetings at the club. So we'll catch up. We'll say on a given week, um, we'll catch up, um, on a Monday as a group. So we've got a, a number of physios on staff, um, a head physio and, um, and our assistant physios and then uh, our high performance manager, our director of, of high performance and myself, um, our other SNCs and a sports scientist. So we all get together in a room and it's, and we'll go through the list and, and that's where things will be discussed. So every player gets kind of discussed every week to varying extents that, you know, depending on, depending on what, um, what the needs are or whatever, or whatever issues have popped up, but that's where those conversations will be had. So this young guy, we're keen to get a little couple of kilos on him. Um, it's something the coaches have identified we need to do. Okay. How are we going to do that? Include the dietitian in that conversation. So we can start looking at, um, like meaningful interventions in that space, you know, do they need more food, whatever it is, we'll have a look at the gym program. Again, it's, it's probably just a week by week monitoring. Okay. With he's starting to look fatigued or his feedback on his wellness is that he's fatiguing after three weeks, he's put on two kilos. We need to be just, um, just smart in that space. So again, I wouldn't say there's a hard and fast rule. It's just ongoing conversation and seeing how guys are and, 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 um, I suppose being flexible enough to um, modify as you go. So best laid plans are plans are brilliant, but the best laid plans don't always um, go as you think. So probably being able to uh, pivot in those instances and continue with his strength development. But if he's put on a little bit of size too quickly, okay, what do we do now? So um, yeah, just again ongoing. This is a very boring answer, but ongoing communication and 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 probably flexibility. Yeah, no, that, that like I said, highlights you know the most important things. I think that that makes sense as well. And you mentioned before a little bit. I guess we'll go back into some of the programming stuff. You mentioned before that you you guys don't currently use Olympic lifts, but maybe you're introducing that in the future. What's uh, what are your go tos now to t- develop more of that power side of things? And and what are your plans? I guess and how to implement which lifts you want to and and, and how you want to go about that. Yeah, so at the moment okay, we've kind of got a couple of. Um, a couple of key lifts. Um, trap our deadlift will be one of our staples. So um, kind of minimizing risk with your traditional deadlift, put some in a safer space. Um, we'd use that as a strength primary and then probably do a little bit of plyometric work off the back of that. So some explosive movements or um, some more velocity-based movements. Um, you know, that's where potentially your your Olympic lifting could could tie in and, and kill two birds for you there with one stone. Um, I, I wouldn't use it maybe to replace anything, but it would, it would kind of, I think it would work well in that space. But again, yeah. So a lot of our, our stuff, whether we're back squatting or whether we're, um, trap or deadlifting or front squatting or whatever it is, uh, belt squat, 
pairing that up with a plyometric or a dynamic movement, something a little bit more explosive, um, is how we kind of uh, would address the, the force velocity. Um, so we're covering all, all parts of the curve. Um, again, I think Olympic lifting is is a fantastic tool if um, if everyone moves well and it's comp, you know, if it's coached well and if if people move well, I think it's um, it's a tool in your in your arsenal, which again can cover both. Um, or if you've got shorter weeks and things like that, where you don't really need as much of a, a strength exposure, a strength stimulus, and Olympic lift is a great way to to get a little bit of both. Um, so I just see it as it's another, it's a potentially another tool that we could could use moving forward um, to give us more bang for buck when we need it. Yeah, do you have which ones do you put on at the end? You know, yet or, or how do you how do you want to phase those in? Maybe if of a plan to do that. Yeah, again, so depending on we'll we'll. Uh, We'll see what we can get if we can get any work done across the um, the off season or whether it's early preseason. Um, maybe run mini workshops and potentially it's it's you know a high puller clean something not not too complex. Um, we've we push press a bit in the program. Potentially that that evolves into a push jerk um, things like that. So again, not overly complicated. We're, we're you know they're they're AFL footballers. Um, I, we're not under the illusion of of trying to create the next um, the next kind of batch of of Aussie weightlifters or anything like that. Um, but uh, and again, it'd be some players that might not be suitable for based on injury history or based on um, you know things like that. So it'll be it'll be case by case. But but it's only you know if there are athletes who we think can benefit from it, it'll be those couple a couple of core core movements, potentially some snatching maybe. Um, but we'll. We'll, we'll see how we go. I haven't finalized the, the list yet. Yeah, no, no, that's good. Um, with, and I, I know you said before on it, um, not necessarily KPIs, but <clears throat> do you have more of like your, like I said, you have your big lifts, so you have trap bar, you have the other big lifts you, you try and consistently do throughout the season, or do you do any jumps on plates or anything along those lines that you're just, just looking at numbers monitoring or, or as part of the program? Do you have, do you have things like that? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that we, we use. We have our bigger targeted lifts that we would have spoken about that we brought in would, would have been our trap bar, probably a bench press, a bench pull, um, and a weighted chin. They would have been the, the big ones. Um, and then kind of prescribe um, goals or targets or numbers for them to hit in session. So um, without being too, too in on it, but just get a, get a, get a board up and... Um, it's a green for you color it in green if you got it, and you color it in red if you didn't, and it gives them a little bit of accountability in that space. Um, and again, it, it raises a conversation. So, say if for whatever reason somebody doesn't hit it, they'll come and have a conversation around. I wasn't feeling it today because I'm fatigued from track. I've been feeling tired the last week or two. That's just a conversation. Then we can, you know, maybe that's a flag for us as a department to look at whether there's more to that or or whatever. Um, so yeah, so they're, they're the kind of the, the big ones. Um, we use a Nordic, so they do a Nord, uh, a max Nordic in the preseason, and then we'll kind of um, have Nordics ongoing in the program pretty much throughout. So that'll be a staple as well. Um, and have a look at those numbers and see if there's any big fluctuations. Um, the medical department do regular screening. So um, they do a, like a hammy iso pull, groin squeeze, um, like your your hops on the four stacks that'll all be part of um week to week screening and again if any flags pop up that'll be discussed and it just facilitates the conversation with the player or, or with it with us as a, as a department um so a few things like that in there um 
other than that, not really. Again, we'll we'll have the gym aware. Um, hopefully, going a little bit more next year. We we got some great value out of it this year, but um, we'll try and even take that to another level next year, and um, you know, start looking at force output on on your bench press or on your banded squats or things like that, and start give them a little bit more feedback. Um, and use that going forward. And was that was that with the whole? whole team or select players or on select key lifts for each player or how's that use the gym wire with the gym where we had everybody so we had everybody rolling through so we had the way we, we use it in kind of two different ways this year um one was with the banded bench so um again an explosive explosive movement after maybe a heavier uh dumbbell press they might go in and do a banded bench looking for for kind of explosive movement it would be standardized for everybody so it'd be an orange band with um, an orange band or a yellow band. I think the threshold we came up with was if you could bench, if your 1RM was over 100 kilos, you had an orange band with uh, two templates on, so 40 kilos plus the orange band. And we're looking at, to, you know, it's a maximal effort. So giving them feedback on that. So looking at kind of relative, so not saying, you know, you're not as good as him because, you know, there's obviously all sorts of, factors in there like uh, body weight and strength and all that kind of thing but we were using that as kind of a rough guide you versus you week to week um the same then we had a yellow band for the, for the guys that maybe weren't as strong or for those kind of younger guys who were um maybe not the year ones the first year guys wouldn't have banded bench or done any banded bench but guys who could move well and all that kind of stuff they would probably just didn't have the strength they just to, to use a lighter band um, and that was one way we did it. It was kind of a standardized thing. What's the most, um, what's the, the fast you can move this bar with this weight? The other way we used it was with a banded squat and looking at um, kind of thresholds. So if you get above whatever it was, a meter per second, the bar is moving faster than a meter per second, or um, you're going to move up to the next weight. So it was kind of a, almost, a, a, so that was a little bit more um, specific in terms of, um, Okay, if, if you, this bar is moving too quickly for you, let's get a little bit more weight on. So we use that as a guide. Um, so there was just more, it, to, to be honest, this year was more of an exposure to the idea of the concept for the players. And then next year we can get more specific with it. We'll, um, we'll have individual profiles set up for every player. And um, yeah, we'll use it a little bit more to inform and give feedback on lifts and, um, you know, potentially even use it, use it to program a little bit where rather than prescribing a load, Will prescribe off velocity for 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 short periods, freshen things up for them a little bit. Yeah, no. <clears throat> did, how many how many um, devices did you have, and and was it like I said, did you just do one set on it, or, or did you or did they all have the ability to go through it? And how do you structure that? Yeah, sorry, I didn't even answer that part of it. Yeah, so we had we had three devices going, so we kind of have we have three gym wires, and we have. I mean, if you've got fifteen in a group. Um, you probably want to stagger your groups enough so that everybody's through that first bit before the next group comes in. Um, but probably, you know, that's, that's four or five guys to a bench, so or to a to a squat rack. So we had we had the capacity to get everybody through for every set. Yeah. Um things like the Nord the Nordics, we don't need, you know, two sets recorded. They might do one set um on the Nord board and and the other sets um with a partner or whatever the preference is. Um, but yeah, as much as possible, we like to kind of, it's good that I found that they responded really well and they enjoyed having the feedback. So yeah, we, the more we can give that to them, the better. 
Yeah, no, I think that was a good point too. You, you use the gym more within the program, and then it sounds like you're using that Nordic and getting numbers within the program as well. So, are there any, are there any other tech or any things you guys use within your program as a marker slash um, objective data that you're that you're collecting? Um, that's not like that's not just the weights, as as you mentioned with the gym more and the and the Nordboard. Yeah, so it would, I mean, we can the four stacks you can use it for. Um, the kind of your single leg hops you can do it for your counter movement jumps um cap things like that um potentially you know getting the four stakes a little bit more you might get look at intds um uh yeah and and see what we, what data we can get from that that might be something that we we kind of we use as a as a as a uh, feedback tool for us on how how well the strength program is going so um, I think the, the, we can keep the, the use of those technologies can keep evolving. I think we're very lucky. We've got um, we've got a sports scientist on staff who's who's very well versed with with tech, um, Josh Ruddy, and he's he used to work with Valve, so he's across all of their technology and, and a very good operator. Um, so shout out to Josh. But uh, yeah, so he continually um, challenges us to get better in that space, which is which is fantastic. Yeah. With you know, we've met, we've talked to you some more about the strength and power and the ways you try to develop that. But I guess the other other point being in the resilient side of the gym and trying to keep athletes on the field. So, you know, what do you have key focuses, or were there differences in the key focuses within rugby and AFL? Um, or and you know, I guess what are your, or does it transition across the year at all for you, or how do you progress those resilience exercises? Um, and maybe chat a little bit about those. Yeah. Um, Probably, probably more similar than you than you think. Again, it's it's usually the capacities and things that are different, and and the the bigger global the bigger global stuff um, like your your you know, muscle mass and, and and size versus the aerobic capacities that that are different. I think um, a lot of the stuff. I mean, you you get hamstring injuries in both, so you need to be pretty resilient. So you've got to, you know, we we'll, we we'll say. Uh, get a, a reasonably heavy loaded RDL, and you control that tempo, and it's 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 executed well. You get a hammy isometric, you get a hammy eccentric, so you're kind of bulletproofing. You hit speed regularly, the same things as we would have done in league. So um, nothing massively different there. Um, then the adductor exposing them to adductor load, a lot of change of direction um, in league, um, and a lot of kicking. Kicking style is a little bit different, so they don't size as a doctor focus. It's more more quad load, um, but you know that that's making sure that they get an appropriate adductor load, so isometrically and and dynamically, and the same with with kind of quad stuff, making sure they're getting good good quad load in, particularly um, we'll say across the off season, making sure that so if guys aren't kicking as much because they're they're on break, they might be doing the weights, they might be doing the running, they just might not be kicking as much because. Um, there's nobody to kick with or whatever it is. You want to make sure they get an appropriate quad load in so that when they come back, the quads are resilient enough that they don't, you know, pick up any little needles when the kicking volume spike. Um, so uh, yeah, it probably again is sport specific in that sense, but, but the bigger global things like, um, your hamstring health and your calf health, things like that. Um, just probably very, very similar exercises across both. Yeah, yeah, no. And I think, like I said, it's good to see that all you know, the main principles are applied, and and it's just how you apply them throughout each setting. So, with with that, I guess we'll if we zoom out a little bit more again and and chat about how you, maybe you structure like how would you structure a week in season and out of season? Are you running 
you know, upper lower splits, you go in full bodies, how many days a week are you going on that? And then how do you program around all that? Yeah, I'm always I'm always interested in the glue. What you see is usually the lens you kind of look at it with. I'm always interested in kind of hearing about um, other people in other clubs and 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 be interested in how you guys did it as well, like what what the philosophies would be there. Um, ours was uh, so preseason getting four gym sessions in, so two upper, two lower. Um, potentially, you know, getting getting obviously getting core work and things like that into your upper session as well. Um, and the off season will be similar, but again case dependent so our, our off season is a great chance to sit back look at the athletes look at what we want what they need what their feedback is on themselves uh, and then we can program accordingly so some guys might have three gym sessions some guys might have four um in the off season pre-season it's usually four then that trims back to three towards the back end um with kind of a, a lower an upper and a, a hybrid uh, a bit of both it's a fancy word for that um, and then in season, so in season at the moment, it, it shifted um, a little bit this year. Last year it would have been, I think we were um, day one, Monday, we'll say Monday, if it was a Saturday game, it's a seven day turnaround. Monday would, would have been a an upper body lift. Tuesday would have been lower body, uh, lower body probably strength. So upper body accessories Monday. Um, Tuesday would have been... Sorry, Tuesday would have been strength, full body strength. We would have got a bench and a chin, and we would have gotten our lower body key lifts in there. Wednesday off, Thursday would have been a power session. Um, again, that's probably where your cleans come in in that in that power session in that scenario, um, and a little bit of resilience work. So probably I think we did our Nordics on the on the Thursday, Friday captain's run uh, into a Saturday game. This year it's a little bit different. It's Monday is a recal, so we do like. Um, quality lower body movements uh with reasonable load which i've been really um been really impressed with with our group thought that would be something that would be hard to implement um you know putting load on or you know when i say load i mean like a 24 to 32 kilo um kettlebell for an arabesque but it's still it's it's you know it's um two days after a game they're still pretty sore but the boys have been really good they've been really um been really uh, on point with that stuff so they've, they've ripped in that that would be the, the recal Monday. Tuesday would be full upper body session. So that's your bench, chains, plus any accessory work. Wednesday we train as well. So Wednesday would be your lower body strength, your your kind of your trap bar, getting your um your RDLs in, getting your adductor load, your Nordics in there, your hip thrusts. Thursday off, Friday captains run, Saturday again. So whatever way you cut it, we're kind of getting the same amount of stuff. It's just spread a little bit differently. Yeah. So I guess one, one thing on that too, and, and what's your thoughts on this and how do you structure this? You know, your biggest thing I was in field sports. So I feel like these days too is, you know, where do you put your lowers and how, do you, how, how intense do you go on your lowers off season, in season, how much heavy work do you do, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess what are your general thoughts about that of how do you structure it? But do you structure, you know, is, if you're feeling that day, you're doing them after field, you're not doing, or you're doing some pre-field and your resilience and Nordic stuff post-field and how you know, before games and back-to-back -back days and all those considerations, I guess those are a lot of things that, you know, you're thinking about. So what, what do you, what are your considerations when, when structuring your lowers program and where are you putting it? Yeah. Uh, look, I think, um, it's probably something we discussed more at Manly, um, where we, we talked about potentially doing some power work before they do the field session, 
then they roll back in afterwards and maybe do some of the more um or not invasive is the wrong word but more um, taxing exercises like so maybe uh potentially doing cleans and some explosive ply work into a field station coming back afterwards and doing you know the nordics and ordeals and, and things like that stuff that you probably don't want to I don't think you should overdo pre-field, maybe not doing, you know, max Nordics and, and calf work and then going out to a big field session. It could be, could be, um, at least initially it could be a recipe for disaster until they kind of adapted. Um, so yeah, it's, it, at, at Essendon, we haven't, so the field has always been first, um, pretty much on the, on the Tuesday. At the moment, we, we have weight into, into our craft session. So we'll, they'll do their upper body weight. Um, which is fine, and then they roll out into craft and, and do some stuff on the field. Um, but again, that's that's not overly taxing. But on our lower days, it's always been field first. Um, yeah, it, which has worked fine for me. Like we, the boys get enough break, especially in season. It, the field sessions aren't nearly as um, as taxing as preseason, which you know obviously you'd expect. It's it's gearing them up for games, so we haven't had to kind of sacrifice um, too much in the gym. We haven't had to pull back. You know heaps because they blew out on the field preseason is a little bit different like you probably you know that's the grind same it doesn't matter what sport i think the grind is is preseason the constantly in in little holes and they get you know you get head noise and things like that it's it's a tough carry for them but um so it would have been harder but again i've been very impressed with um with this club and with the players of the club the way they they apply themselves you know even on the hard days get the head down get the work done you know, tick off anything I asked them to tick off. So they've, they've been really good in that space. Yeah, I guess you mentioned the differences there, a little bit of off-season and season and of, of how much you're, you know, pushing in the off-season a lot versus maybe in-season. I guess what, from a general strength and power standpoint, are you, is there anything specific you're chasing within that or is it just obviously trying to keep them, trying to keep them at the highest strength parameters as you can, trying to keep them as robust as possible and, and going along there? Yeah, um, that's it's it's always an interesting question. How strong is too strong, or you know, how strong is strong enough? And um, I suppose that's probably an evolution in my in my thought process. Was when I would have started out in rugby union, it was just get stronger, get stronger. The stronger we are, the you know, the more we can express that um, you know as power. The more you know, and especially in rugby, the more physically dominant you could be um in scrums or you know in tackling or whatever i think it, that's shifted a little bit in terms of it's the risk reward or the balance of things um can shift slightly so chasing that so if you've got somebody who can for instance trap our uh 230 so they can trap our 230 kilos which you know is in afl i would consider impressive in, in league and it'd still be impressive but what's the What's the risk in in us pushing to get to two forty or two fifty? Um, it's probably not worth the risk because the the the, the kind of the stress you're going to have to put your body under and, and fatigue yourself neurally and all that kind of stuff. Something's going to give somewhere because of the the, the loads these guys do on the field, um, jumping, landing, change direction, big volumes of running. Something's going to give somewhere. So that's where. Um, Probably having little little uh, markers around making things relative. So looking at a guy, um, if he's lifting, if he's trap bearing two point two times body weight, that's sweet. He can go into a, almost like a, a maintenance um, 
stage without without announcing it and tell you know i don't like using the word maintenance because it's always then it starts to filter in less 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 um but it's just being smart with those things if a guy is strong enough and you know he's, he's hit a marker where he's lifting 2.2 times body weight uh for one then okay let's hold that we don't need to chase the percentages that somebody who's a lot you know somebody who's able to lift 1.6 or 1.7 times body weight you need again my opinion you need to probably get those little percentage gains um accumulate those over time to get them as, as strong as possible again maximize power and and then you know make them robust um when guys are at a point where you feel like they're they're strong enough which is not a term we use heaps and it's kind of the art of you know we we, we uh use your experience to identify these that's probably where you can scale things back a little bit doesn't always have to be chasing um and definitely in season we're not as aggressive with with uh, the percentages we chase um from one rms as we would have been in pre-season yeah yeah no perfect uh, i think you know that kind of sums up to me we went you know went through all the strength and power development resilience zoomed out zoomed in picture high structure weeks in integrating and in how you want to you know progress as as you go each year so i think that's a good summary to me of of, of how you do everything so i really you know i really appreciate you taking the time to do that is there anything else you think we missed along those lines or, or bigger points that um you want you want to go back to and say anything about or do you think that covers pretty pretty well no, I, mean, I can't remember anything i said i just walk, i tend to walk <laughs> a little bit i go off um no it's definitely i think um the last thing I would say is like any, any strength coach, or any guys out there who, who are keen to get into sports, I think it's, it's quite easy to pigeon, pigeonhole yourself in a sport or pigeonhole yourself in a, you know, in a role. You can become a strength coach or you could become a rugby league guy. And I think, um, the more you kind of, uh, the more you can understand the demands of all these different sports, the more you realize there are commonalities rather than differences. They're, they're not as chalk and cheese as probably what we, would lead ourselves to believe or that the sports might want you to believe um it's just applying that knowledge and and kind of um i'll tell you, i'll steal a line from shane lahan who's um another another irish strength coach over here he's, he's a ripper he, he was uh works them at the rebels and and he um he's out the swans so he's done the he's done the rugby union into into afl and, and he's uh what was his, his line strong beliefs loosely held so you know you what we do we do and we believe in and, and we do it because we've researched what we do and but i think you always have to be reasonably flexible in in, in your beliefs and, and allow yourself to evolve as a coach um and i think that 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 applies more than ever to um to the multi-sport aspect of things allow yourself to evolve perfect no great great ending there um do you is there is there any uh do you have any obviously on linkedin etc is there is there any other social media or anything like that that you're on where people can connect with you and then i can i'll put it in the show notes for you otherwise linkedin i'll throw that in there for you linkedin is linkedin is great linkedin is fine that's plenty that's right social media keep yeah good well thank you thank you again very much for taking the time a pleasure thanks for having me patrick i appreciate it